So before we start, Clarence, we'd love to know who you are, where you're from, a bit of background of, of your story. Okay, maybe the best way to explain that or give you the info is to tell you about the week I had. Now, sitting here is amazing because it feels familiar on a bar stool. Um, when I got saved, I came off a heavy stint of drinking, um, really a few years of drinking. Um, but it was, the bottle I drank from was a milk bottle. I got saved at the age of seven. So, <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, and, and I started preaching at the age of 13 in our main services. So this has always been a passion in my life, and this is my wife, Azalea. So my week looks like this. Um, the f- or, or let's, let's just use June. The 1st of June, a year ago, I had a stroke, and I was paralyzed on my whole left side. So I don't walk with that just because I'm cool. It's because I need it. <clears throat> but God has, has done a miracle in my life, healed me. Um, I still walk with a limp, but I, I say that's the Jacob part in me. So I wrestled with God, so I have a limp. So a year ago that happened, and um, <clears throat> God is using us. And so on the 14th, that's Monday, past, the 14th of June, I was saved 50 years. <clears throat> Anybody 50 here? Anybody? <laughs> so, so, so it might be the other side of the coin for you, but it's, it's living proof that God saves and he keeps. Right? And yesterday I turned 57. So I have a busy week and today I'm here. So uh, I grew up in the Strand. I've got two. People ask me, do I have kids? <clears throat> I have two adults. The one is 30 and the one is 30, 34. And they're actually friends of Nicole. They, they would have loved to have I mean, this was quite a surprise when I walked in here and she says, Uncle Clarence. And I'm like, who is this? Because my mind doesn't get to people's faces that quickly. But it was so good to see her. And yeah, that's who we are. Uh, let me just say this. Um, we led a church in Worcester. We replanted a NCMI church there um, almost nine years ago. Led the church, had the stroke, couldn't lead the church physically anymore, which was, it was a difficult time in my life. Then I contacted Andrew the first week in October to see, can the idea was actually like 412 kind of thing. Can we become part of the movement because I need some covering and I need some help? So on the Tuesday night, Andrew says to me, yes, we would like you to be part of this. And we, we actually decided to become a Josh Jen. And um, so the, the, the Tuesday night, he says to me, we're going to send you people and we're going to help you. And then Friday morning, he phones me and says, are we on the same page? And like you rightly said, I said, where's the book? Um, and uh, I said, what page, Andrew? And he said, I feel in God that you need to step down and hand your church over that you work so long on. And just, we're going to send you somebody to hand it over and we'll free you up. We're not sure what, but we free you up. And I had three seconds to decide about my future. And I said to him, Andrew, you said God saying this. And he said, yes. I said, well, then I agree because I always agree with God saying. And that Sunday, we became a basically a Josh Jen. I w- I didn't lead anymore. The previous Sunday in October was the last time I preached in that church. And we went on a sabbatical, and then we started off after the sabbatical, beginning of this year, February or so. God really brought us into our sweet spot. 
because now our job is to go around every Sunday to a different Josh Jen and preach. So I get to live my dream. Um, and I mean, we've just been through Namibia, um, and now we're starting through the Western Cape alphabetically. This is C, so Cityville got us now. Next week is Durbanville. And it's just, God is so faithful. And the dream I had at 13, I'm living now, by the grace of God. So you've got a way to go. God's faithful. That's amazing. So I just want to clarify, did, 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 did Andrew Selly steal your church? No. No, okay. No, no. Just so we're on the same page. Andrew Selly didn't take <laughs> yeah. it. So I just want to clarify as well, one thing about talking about the father heart of God is I don't want anyone to switch off, okay? Like a lot of people here are girls, for example, and you're never going to be a dad. No matter how much you try, there's a very high chance you'll never be a dad, all right? And, and there's a few people now that are still studying. They're like, oh, kids. That, I mean, that is like distant horizon. But I just want to encourage us all before we dig in is that if you get a good perspective on what the father is, or the concept of the father, you're going to have a better revelation of your daughtership and your sonship. So I want us to look through that lens as we, we start tackling some of these questions now. So don't switch off. This is exciting. Okay. So Clarence, I just want to ask you a question. <laughs> question number one. Is what was the relationship with your earthly dad like, and and how did that either bless you or hinder you in how you view God as Father today? That's one of the easiest questions of. It's going to be the easiest question of the evening. For some people, that might be the most difficult question. Now, um, the reason I love God the Father so much that I enjoy just giving my life is because my earthly father represented him well. So my, my, when I got saved at the age of seven, I wanted to be baptized. And my dad said to me, the day that you can explain baptism to other people, we'll baptize you. That mean, meant that you can study the word. So my recollection of my dad is on a Saturday afternoon, my dad and a few friends will sit in the lounge Playing a reel-to-reel tape deck. Now, some of you might not know what that is. I'm sorry. Um, Google that. It's <laughs> it's uh, the forerunner of CDs and stuff, right? So we had a reel-to-reel tape deck, and we and he would play a sermon, and him and his buddies would sit there and stop it and look in the old King James, the thee and thou and wilt and wild that one, um, and they will sit and discuss what has been said. So I would listen to the way they reason because I would sit in the passage. And listen to the older guys discussing the word. And that's how I grew up. By the age of 13, when I started preaching with him. Can I just share that testimony quickly? Um, So I started preaching with him. Once I got baptized, he said to me, now you can go with me and we can preach in places. And got invited from the Cape Town to Hermanus and Worcester and all those places. My memory of my dad is sitting on my bed with my old King James. Reading English, and I'm Afrikaans boyki from the Strand, from an area called Lost World. Uh, that was our area, our township, Lost World. And uh, sitting on the bed, reading scripture with him and discussing scripture with him. Now, my dad died when I was in matric, and he didn't leave me money. But he left me with a love for the word. And it, it still blesses the church today. So how my preaching career started, my dad would say to me, Tonight, you're going with me. I, wanted you to, I want you to open up in prayer. 
and we still had hymn books back then. So I, I would, he would give me two hymns and I would open up in prayer. And then the next week, I chose the hymns myself and then opened up in prayer. And then the third week, he said to me, now read a scripture uh, or read the scripture I'm going to preach on. And the fourth week, he said, find your own scripture and preach for 15 minutes. And he said, there's one golden rule. You speak up or you shut up, but you don't waffle in front of people. Uh, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still working on that one. Um, and then, and so I pre- by the fifth week, I preached the first half of the service, and he would preach the second half. And that carried on until I was 16. I would preach in the, f- the first half, and he would preach the second half. And, um, and then I would say, my dad's going to preach now. And then I remember that night like it was yesterday. We were in Athlone in a big assembly there. The place was packed, and I'm like quite nervous to go and get on the stage and open this meeting with my dad. And he just puts his hand on my on me, and he said, "Follow my lead." My dad had throat cancer, and by then he battled to speak. So he said, "You stay, I'll get up." And he got up, and he opened the meeting in prayer, gave the two hymns, and he said, "My son's going to preach now." And he sat down, and until the day he died, he sat in the front row. And opened every meeting that I preached at. And that's why. That's the difference it makes. I love the Lord with all my heart. I love the Father. With everything within me. Because that's such a great, great example of that. But I want to tell you. Even if you didn't have that example. God can change that perspective tonight. And you can fall in love with the Father like like you've never been before. I think that's the way that, you know, one, once one popcorn pops, the other one pops, and then and I think that's about to happen here tonight. God's going to open you up and just give you a new revelation of who the Father is. That's beautiful. In business, they call it a unicorn. In like one company, that's just like success all over it. That sounds like your relationship with your father, you know. But I remember a friend of ours, she, her dad, her grandpa, twice back was an alcoholic no her grandpa was an alcoholic sorry and her dad he chose to stop he said the whole, all the men in his family have been alcoholics since forever and he chose to be the elbow bend in his generation and and hearing that for me like my story is I, I used to dread father's day because i had so many fathers and stepfathers and i didn't know who to call it was like send 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 you know but um but for me hearing that just gives me hope that all of us in this room you know if we make a decision to to be that kind of a dad, man, could you imagine the generations that follow follow on, eh? It's beautiful. Um, my next question is, God God calls us to honor our father and mother. And it's the first promise, uh, the first commandment that comes with a promise, that you'll bless us and we'll live long in the land. And, you know, when you're a child, the, the concept of honoring your father and mother, it, it seems obvious. But how, how do we translate that, honoring the father and the mother, to grown-ups, to us, in our stage of life. So how do you, how do you take the principle of honoring your father and mother throughout your life, not just when you're a child? Okay, pretty simple. <laughs> um, just by way of example, because that's, you know, you can argue with what a guy says, but you can't argue with his life, eh? So, um, we got married when we were 21. And madly in love. Um, we're still madly in love, but we're not 21 anymore. Um, we got married on the 12th of April, 
um, Azalea used to get her salary on the 7th of a month, 6th of a month. I used to get mine on the 1st. Up to that week before we got married, we honored our parents with our salaries every month. Yeah. I gave my salary to my mom from the first day I started working. When I, when I went, uh, I studied and, and worked at the same time. My first paycheck was like a thousand rand or something like that. And, and I gave it to her. I said, Mom, I want to honor you. you know? And she gave me 40 rand pocket money. And I, I thought she would give me a bit more, but... Mm. But, and I think you got 20 rand. It was back then, yeah. From her mom, and she gave her salary to her mom and honored her mom. I'm not trying to start a new thing. I'm just showing you how it works. Um, so, because we grew up like it, believing that as you start working as a young person, you actually honor your parents for everything they've done for you. You, you give back to them. We got married at the age of 21. We met her when she was 19. I just turned 20. But the day that we got married, or we, two weeks before we got married, I moved into a brand new three-bedroom house that I had built for me. That God has opened doors for me. And I mean, I grew up poor. My dad died when I was 18. But we honored our parents in every way. If I mean, we were, <laughs> the week before we got married, her mom still said, be back by nine. And we were back by nine. Whenever we had to go to a, a, um, a 21st birthday party in Cape Town, and it started at seven, and her mom said, be back by nine, and we in the strand. But, but we honored them in every way. And you know what? I believe that a lot of what happened, the blessing that came into our lives, there were very few people back then in 1986 who grew up in a poor area that built a brand new three-bedroom house and moved in. We didn't have much furniture. We had a bed and a fridge, I think. But we had our wedding reception in the empty house because we had the space. Um, And the people left and we stayed. But we had a brand new house because God blessed us. So there's a principle that I like to live by. I used to be a businessman. I owned five companies at one time. And people ask me, so how did that work? How, I mean, what, what was your secret to it? I worked on the principle that I work for blessing, not profit. Because blessing will outweigh profit every time. I could have kept my salary. I could have told her, now we need to save for the, for the wedding. And I don't think I would have had a house to move into. And God has just been faithful through our whole career, through our marriage. We've never been short of anything. And often, we, it's a small thing. We think we, to honor our parents is, 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 you know, we've got to give them big amounts of money. But it's in the everyday life. Um, you don't know how much a parent appreciates a thank you. And thanks for doing this for me when I was young. Um, I love you. A WhatsApp, a SMS. Just include them in your lives. Often our parents feel like they are at a distance to us because we keep them there. And there's nothing more. I mean, we, our kids are, are living with us. And sometimes I wish they would be at a distance a bit. <laughs> but um, 
But even this morning when, when Lauren just came in and, and thanked us for what we helped her through, just that appreciation and showing that to them. Um, even the parents that the parent that was the hardest and most difficult parent, they don't do it because they want to they get up in the morning and say, I want to destroy your life. That's their world where they think this is the best I can do for you. And some of them have made mistakes. But they meant well. You know what? Just thanking them for meaning well will will help a lot. And I know that's not a full answer. This is a, a huge topic. But but start there. Just thanking them for meaning well, even if they got it wrong. Yeah, and that's beautiful because we live in a culture where you know someone gets old, you just push them in an old age home, book them in silver mine, mm. nice little cottage with a view, mm. and then you just kind of step back. But I think you know. Can I, can I just yeah. say something about it? When before you do that, I want you to think of this. I believe that a child should treat their parent the way the parent treated the kid when they were little. They changed your nappies. So one day you will have to change their nappies. They told you the same story over and over. Or you told they, you had, they had to read the same story to you a hundred times. They, they could, didn't watch Coco Melon. Right? But, but, but I have to listen. I know all the songs. Johnny, Johnny, no papa. I know the Coco Melon songs. You know why? Because I listened to it all day. You know what? So if she says... For the fourth time, or the tenth time, or the hundredth time, where is your brother? And your brother is overseas. Tolerate that because she tolerated you when when you were little. If we just think about what God, what they've done for us when we were little, let's do the same for them when they're old. That's good. I hope my daughters are listening. Huh? <laughs> no, Record this and play it to them later. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Next question is, when, when Jesus' disciples said, teach us how to pray, he, the opening line is, our Father. Not my Father, our Father. And that's how Jesus chose to launch him teaching the disciples how to pray. In your, in your words, why does God place such a huge emphasis on this thing of the Father? Why not just be God? Why, why does he emphasize Father? Okay, because as God we see him as out there. Right? Um, the song I dislike the most is From a Distance. Because that's written from the perspective of God. That person who wrote that have no understanding of the Father heart of God. Because it's from a distance. Father brings him far more closer. It's, it's more than just knowing God as the Creator. That's powerful because when you look at him and you look at what he's done, the creation worships him. And so should I. But I start worshiping him when I understand him as my father. You see, in the olden days, um, a slave, when he was just a slave, he would call the owner master. But there would come a time that that if he was a good slave, his owner would buy him. And then he would call him pater. Like he's in pater noster. Right? Pater meaning father. It's, a, it's another word of father, but it's a, a more distant word of father, but it's better than master. Right? The idea is that when, when he would call him pater at one stage, 
Later, when he becomes really part of the household, he calls him Abba. Because he understands that he has been adopted. Now, I always tell, we've got a, a granddaughter that's not my granddaughter, but that's the longest story to tell you. Um, um, and she's 12 now. And she, I love her to bits. But one day she came and said, how come you're my pa, but you're not my pa? And I knew that question was going to come at some stage. And I said to her, you know what, you can actually boast about that because other kids, their parents had to take what they got. You were chosen. I chose to be your grandfather. Other grandfathers just have to take what they get. So you're special. And that's the, that's the special part of adoption. If we understand that we have been adopted and we now can call him Abba. Abba Father. It's a far closer relationship. And that's when we pop and we start worshipping God on a level that we haven't worshipped before. I promise you, you might have come in here and you stood here and you battled to engage in the same way that other people were engaging. Chances are you're battling with the father figure of God because you're looking at him through the lens of your father figure. So father is, is someone that, that protects you. That loves you. And that's, that's my small problem I have with Father's Day. Because we acknowledge people. Some people that has been acknowledged today. Forgive me, but I don't know how else to say it. They were just sperm donors. They're not really fathers. And there are other guys that are fathering children that's not theirs. And they're doing a great job of it. And they're not being acknowledged. And that's sad to me. Because society has made this a, a, a business thing. Let's celebrate fathers. But we overlook. I mean, I always say in my life, there's, I was fa- fathered. My father fathered me by his loins. So I'm his child. And then when he died when I was 18, my friend's father fathered me with his heart. And he protected everything my dad. At 18, I could have gone any one of two ways. But what my dad instilled in me, he protected. And here I am today by the grace of God. So, so, so you don't just have to father with your loins. If you don't understand that, come chat to me afterwards. I'll explain a bit better. Um, but you, you can father with your heart. And it's that close relationship. That's why it's, it's the father we need to cling to. Many people will say Jesus. Many people will call on the Holy Spirit. But they've got a problem calling on the father. So it's for the closeness of the relationship that we've been called to. That's beautiful. That brings me on to my next question. When I was um, a bit younger, I I became a spiritual father to a guy that physically was older than me, you know. But in the faith, he was a newborn baby. And he would ask me questions and he would come to me and say, George, I really like this girl. And I'd say, uh, I won't say his name. Um, <laughs> very, very close. Is this very being close. recorded? And... <laughs> And I say, well, what is God telling you? What is the Holy Spirit telling you? He's saying, no, don't do it. I say, well, what are you going to do? No, I'm going to do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Don't do it. But he does it anyway. Break up. Sore hearts. Tears. Comes back. George, I made a mistake. I know. <laughs> and, and we walked such a beautiful journey and tears and laughter. And today that guy is restored. He's a father of his own physical children. And he now has gone beyond me. And I wanted to ask you, 
you may you touched on it now, but are there other other stories of where you've been someone's spiritual father or someone someone has been your spiritual father and impacted in a profound way? Yeah, like I say, this guy called Michael Dunn as as really I think he played a much bigger role than what he thought. It was nothing spectacular. My dad had I think he might have had a degree of standard seven. I think my dad just passed standard seven. That's all he had. Um and and, and between him and, and and Michael Dunn, they were they were not like um um these flashy guys, but they were extraordinary fathers. And and they nurtured and protected what God put in me. And in turn, I have fathered so many guys that's older than me. Even today, a guy sent me, or yesterday at my birthday, a guy sent me a um, a birthday greeting and say he misses me. And he's older than me, but he's always seen me as a father figure. And, and, and a lot of the times, most of the guys that I'm fathering are older than me. But it's got, age has got nothing to do with it. It's just the heart. So, so don't, you don't have to wait until you father, physically father a child. There are enough people out there that need fathering that you can start practicing now already. If I can give you an example that will link up with something you said earlier. Um, if you look at David, this thing of, of fathering with your heart, right? If you look at David... When David became king, the first thing he said, is there any family of Jonathan left? Because he had a close friendship with Jonathan. And they said, yes, there's one. There's one. His name is Mephibosheth, and he's sitting in Lodeba. I know that sounds like a a type of jeep you get, but uh, it's, it's not a jeep, it's a place. And it, Ladeba means place of no communication. But the thing about, about Mephibosheth was that his father Jonathan and grandfather Saul died on the same day. They were in, at war and they were killed and the message came back to say that his father and his grandfather died the same day. Now he was about, I mean he was a toddler, right? And his, the, his nanny, in her fear and in her haste, picked, her, picked him up and ran with him. And she, she let him fall. And he became lame in both his ankles. And because of that, what should have been, what could have been, did not materialize because he was supposed to be the next king. But David became king because somebody dropped him. Maybe you're sitting here and you feel somebody dropped you. Because somebody dropped you, what could have been and what should have been never materialized. Maybe that's why you're battling with the Father, how to worship the Father, because there's a there's obstruction. Because there's a hurt, there's a pain. Because you were the promised you were, you were supposed to be the next king. And now you're sitting under the table of Makir, the owner of the house. And he's sitting under the table eating the bread from his table. And he should have been the king. Now, now that, that must be hurtful. But God's redemptive grace is this. 
David asks, is there anybody else? And they say, yes. Mephibosheth is sitting under the table in Lodeba. He said, fetch him. And they came to him and he was sitting and his legs were lame and he was eating from another table. Micah actually fathered him with his heart and protected him until God made the next move. He couldn't feed him well, but he kept him alive. And then the message came, the king is calling you to come and sit at his table. And he goes from the place of no communication from Lodeva to Jerusalem. And he gets fathered by David's heart. Where David says, forever you will sit at my table. Always you will sit at my table. And the thing that I want to highlight that I just picked up somewhere that we spoke earlier is when we deal with brokenness or curses, we always talk about how the curses go into the fourth and fifth generation. People pray about that or, or, or do warfare around that. And, 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 you know, you have to do that warfare. But I don't want to focus on that. Restoration, when we, when we restore um, somebody by fathering with our hearts, it goes past the fifth and fourth generation. It's always. He said to him, always you will sit at this table. And blessing outweighs curses all the time. So don't get put off what people have told you about your family. God breaks those curses. When we pray and come against it, he breaks it. And then he says to you, the king is calling you to come and sit at his table and he will sit at his table always. And we, we have that uh, privilege to do what David did and father a Mephibosheth with our heart and bring him into his destiny. Later it says, just as a matter of interest, that he had a child, so he was obviously, obviously just paralyzed in his ankles. <laughs> if you don't understand that, come talk to us later. <laughs> um, Clarence, I just want to say, you've, you've, you've knocked it out of the park when it comes to my question. I feel like now is a good time for you to, to if you're feeling anything prophetic, or there's stuff in your heart, to yeah. just, no more questions, you can go for it. Good. So I've, I really feel, I know there's only five children here, so I might be speaking to you. <laughs> um, or you might be married and you haven't got children yet. Then, then this is a bit of advice I'd like to give you. Samson, and I really, I really actually feel it's, so if it's for you, come and see us afterwards so we can pray with you. Is that okay? Samson, Samson's dad. When the angel said to Samson's mom, you're going to have a child, very similar to Mary. You're going to have a child and he needs to be a Nazarene, a Nazarite, um, and, and, and he's going to be a judge for God. She came, and this is the picture I want you to see. She didn't put it on Facebook that she's going to have a child. She didn't WhatsApp her mom. She came to her husband and shared what the angel said to her. And to me, that's a great picture, that when God speaks to us, you know, often I, mean, I counsel marriages, married couples, and um, often the guy or the lady will say to me, I haven't said this to my husband yet, but, um, and then the husband or the wife hears it for the first time. 
she went and she told her husband what the Lord said. Her husband said, now I will seek of the Lord. And he went in search of the angel and the angel told him the same. So dad, when your wife comes and tells you that she's pregnant, then you don't go to Facebook. You don't go to WhatsApp. You don't go to the bar and celebrate. You go and seek God's presence so that he can tell you what's the purpose for this child. Because uh, Manoah went and he said, God, show me what's the purpose for his life and what manner of life he should live. That's our first response as parents and, and men that will still receive the news. If you want to be a good father, start off with the moment you hear and even before you know, start praying now that God will show you that the child that he's going to give you, what's their purpose and what manner of life he expects them to live. And then you father them into that. So often we father the way I play darts. I throw and then I look where I hit. Okay. Ah, 20. Yes. Okay, now bullseye. I didn't plan that. And often we father like that. And we can read the best books, we can do whatever. But as men, the Bible's principle is go before God, seek his face, and find the purpose and the manner of life for your child. That's the, the one word that I have that I feel people need to hold on to. The other one is, whew, I'm going to put myself on the spot here. Um, the father figure that we tend to miss the most time, most, most time, is not your physical father. It's also not somebody else who has fathered you by his loins or with his heart. The father figure that, that I find when I, when I counsel people that causes a lot of damage is actually the local pastor. We never think of him as a father figure. But if leaders understand that we have far more authority into people's lives than what even fathers have, we are sometimes allowed deeper and we are given more authority to speak into people's lives. They wouldn't allow their dad to speak that deeply. And then sometimes in our ignorance, we disappoint people. And I feel God laying in my heart that there's somebody or maybe one or two people here that you've been hurt not by your earthly father but by a spiritual leader that was a father figure in your life. And that has caused the shell that prevents you from popping and going ballistic. So I just want to just close your eyes because I don't want people to look around. Now, I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand or anything, or maybe I should. But, but I want to speak to you now. If you have been hurt by a spiritual father, then on behalf of that spiritual leader, I want to ask you to forgive. I want to stand in the gap and say, I'm sorry. That somebody that was supposed to lead you into more actually hurt you. 
there's somebody today that I have to apologize to on behalf of leaders where you felt overlooked. And just because of a leader's insecurity or not paying attention, you're still sitting where you're sitting and you're not living in your gifting and you're hurt. You're really hurt. Off of that, that, that leader, I want to ask you, please forgive. Maybe some leader in, in a moment where he was under pressure, and I'm not making an excuse for leaders, but maybe some leader in a moment of pressure of his own struggle and his own insecurities sort of bumped you off and didn't pay attention when you needed attention and didn't help you when you just needed a hug. Then on behalf of that leader, I want to say I'm really, really, really sorry. And if you forgive tonight, it's it's not letting that leader off the hook. You come off the hook. Because by holding on to unforgiveness is similar than drinking poison and hoping the other person's gonna die. So if a church leader, if a common leader, if a deacon has hurt you, in the presence of God, I want to ask you, please forgive. And as you forgive, you will move forward into the purposes and plans that God has for you. And then there's one more other word that I feel that I have a similar thing in a similar line, I just want to apologize to anybody here who has been hurt by their father. You've been dropped. I tell you, the same as with, with, with Jonathan, the untimely death of a father made him feel dropped and he lost out. Maybe the untimely death of a spiritual leader or spiritual death of a spiritual leader as thrown you a curveball. I want you to go before God tonight and deal with it. And then we come to your, your earthly father. Maybe you're battling with a relationship with your father and you sit there and you think, I wish I had a relationship like Clarence with his dad. You know what? You can still have that. You can, you can even still have restoration even if your dad's dead. Because the, the unease that you're experiencing is not coming from him. You're battling with it. So uh, for anybody here tonight, if you have had a bad experience with an earthly father where, where he wasn't there when you had your moment, whatever that moment was, when he was nowhere to be found when you needed him most, when he wasn't there when you needed a hug, and here's the thing, when you never heard I love you. Just as you are, I love you. On behalf of that dad, I want to say, I love you. I love you. I love you. God the Father is speaking his love over you tonight. All you need to do is let go and forgive. And God will restore you. He will restore the years that the locust has eaten.
when God restores, he doesn't just give you enough. He is a God of more than enough. 